0: Hey, what time it is? What time it is? Hi, everybody. It is, uh, what time is it? It is four o'clock, 4 p.m. I'm covered in just kid dirt. I just picked my daughter up from school. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Luke Thomas. Welcome to my live chat episode. I think 164 or so here on this uh, 13th day of July, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. Glad you're here. Um, on the docket today, I'm guessing there's going to be some fury, And gone to questions, I'm going to guess there's going to be maybe some UFC 290 leftovers, the look ahead at 155, I don't know, stuff like that, I think maybe some Ronda Rousey talk, I don't know, I don't know, I guess we'll get to see whatever you guys came up with, Um, thank you, thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube, and hit subscribe, participate in the chat, it's a subscriber only kind of event, right, and so, doesn't cost you anything, real easy to do, why don't you give me a follow, that'd be super awesome if you did that, um, And uh, yeah, the way this works is, of course, if you want to interject with a follow up, you can do so at any point by leaving a super chat or you can leave a super chat for the end and we'll get through about an hour or so of all the free questions. And then we'll do some paid ones at the end. Up to you, really. Or if you don't want to pay for anything, you just want to watch the free part. That's cool, too, man. I'm just glad you're here. Okay. All right. So without further ado, um, you're going to hear some yelling. The door is locked, but you're going to hear some yelling because, again, Violetta is home. Well, not school, but, you know, uh, summer camp. And uh, so it's just madness out those doors, but you shouldn't be able to barge in. All right, let's get this party started. Let's, shall we? All right. There we are. So let's get going if we can and put this up. Um, All right. Let me. Let me just send a text to my wife because this is just kind of insane you know they know better but what can you do you just live at home it is what it is okay let's throw up your questions and see what you have to say here very good all right uh and then let's refresh one more time so we get the best version of this all right this one here uh <laughs> this is funny hello luke it's amazing how many black mma fans there suddenly seems to be ever since izzy and drickus's face off in the octagon saturday i've been seeing a ton of comments from faceless accounts saying things like i'm black and what izzy said is disgusting it's an extremely transparent psyop leave it to one of the widest fan bases in all of sports to be super offended at a black person saying the n-word yeah i gotta tell you there's i mean you know certainly i'm in no position to be Speaking for any black person or black people in general, nor am I trying to. But if you're asking me what I've seen from actual people who, like, who can literally touch grass, like actual black people in the physical world, the ones in my orbit, not one of them cares even a little bit. Like, this is just absolute nonsense. I'm gonna guess, you know, I have been seeing a fair amount of that as well. Like, I'm black, and I just can't believe it. Certainly, there's probably some people like that, but I'm gonna say that the vast majority probably are not. Again, don't want to speak for them. Just making a guess based on what I can see in the world around me. Uh, but, you know, I also have to say that if you're just a person who's like, hey, like Brian Campbell, who thought, hey, I just thought it was classless and gross and, you know, a little over the line. I understand that. I understand. I'm not asking everyone to love it. But if the question is, you know, uh, would you say, uh, you know, okay, there's no way to know, but, um, you know, gun to my head, do I feel like the, the vast majority of black people uh, would be offended by that? No no the, from what i could tell they would not be you know but better to ask them in the living world right and again the one people hate when i bring this up and i don't know why cuz i find it endlessly fascinating but like if you go to a boxing show like we went to the tank davis hector garcia fight that was here in dc there were five white dudes in that audience i was one of them like it was it was you know i've never seen an mma show like that you know uh and mma shows are the exact opposite where you do get a, definitely get a mix for sure but it's predominantly Like, that's what the UFC's success was. It took a generation of, like, white folks my age who, like, if my demo, you know, so people who were in their 20s in the aughts and uh, turned them into fight fans. Uh, They had maybe lost their way with boxing or something. It's actually why they were able to have great success, to be honest with you. It wasn't like they converted boxing audiences over. They got a different audience. There is some overlap, but not much. That's actually the story of of their success. So... Um, you know, when there's a lot of people in this space being like, well, I'm black and I like, I'm not saying it like that. People who do that in every case, I don't believe them, but just saying that is not enough. Like you gotta, yeah, you, you have to prove it. You know? <laughs> so I'm with you. Like, you know, I've talked to a few of them since Saturday and uh, they didn't exactly bring it up as a point of uh, deep despair. Let me tell you, that was not exactly the read that I got. Um... Christ, what a question is this? luke just wondering, what's your perfect Sunday, dude? Fuck if I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even think about my life like that anymore, dude. I mean, it's like what am I going to do today with my kid and family and uh it's one part and then there's going to be work to do. So like when am I going to get time to do that? Like I don't think about it. I mean, I, I I'm not even saying this like it's some kind of flex. If anything, it's actually terrible that I live my life this way. But Jesus, what would a perfect Sunday be? A perfect I mean, if I'm on vacation or something, a perfect Sunday is just what you would imagine doing absolutely nothing. Maybe like getting exercise first thing in the morning and that's it. You know, sitting around hot sunny day, laying around a pool, a beach, whatever, cold drinks, not doing a whole lot the real I, I i on a perfect sunday i just, maybe there might be some reading poolside or again beachside that's it dude that's it i don't want to i wanted to just completely shut out the outside world other than the the joyful version of it directly being fed to me um these all have like one likes up i don't i want taking one a one, little bit of uh this is hilarious. There's more of this. I didn't realize this was this contentious. I just thought the Izzy thing with Dricus was funny. I I honestly didn't think anything more than that. I thought it's 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 objectively hilarious like you know, you've got this black dude like in this white guy's face just constantly calling him the the N-word. It's it's like you know, it's inherently bizarre. It's funny. Uh anyway, there's just a lot of this, man. Um hold on, let me let me pull this one up i don't i didn't i didn't i can't i'm actually surprised people care about as much as they do but here we are this guy writes as a black mk fan i can confirm that izzy's n-word tirade was indeed hilarious but i don't understand why it makes some non-black people in this space so uncomfortable the hard r being used which would be a pungent slur would make more sense for the unsettling reactions here's the thing there's a lot of like you know again i'm not i'm in no position to speak for the whites either uh but to the extent that there is any kind of conversation to be had i think that they want to be seen as like so against discrimination that they're even like the 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 the, the version of the term that at least among african-americans can be circulated in a way that's sort of like you know a good thing or uh, it, you know a term of uh, understanding between them anyway uh they they want to be so seen as like well i i just can't even uh, i can't even fathom the idea that someone would be motivated by racial discrimination so like any version of the n word is absolute horror whereas i'm like you know i'm not i'm not I'm not about to drop one you know i'm not uh i'm not the grease man over here y'all don't know who that is that's an old man reference if ever there was one uh but um yeah like i mean you know listen I can understand the argument for like it's off-putting and weird. I mean, it is, you know, I, I get that too, but I think everyone should just relax. Like it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. Even I, I, frankly, here was one situation where I thought Dana White was right. You know, I mean, I don't often agree with him. Uh, And I, you know, it, I may not agree with the reasoning that gets him to that place where like his reasoning, I don't think would be my reasoning, but rather like that what we hear there was is some like, Crime of um decency, maybe, maybe indecent, you know. I wouldn't fight that charge too hard, but like some kind of horror that we in the fight game just won't be able to recover for like how like just tossing and turning all night. How am I gonna sleep through the night knowing that Izzy called <laughs> DDP the N-word six? I mean, it's just you know, I'm gonna sleep just fine. I think most of you will as well, you know. So it's like I don't think anyone actually got hurt here uh from what I can tell all right and so Dana's point I think is well taken actually in this one um okay what do we got here uh Luke which martial art would be best to learn first for someone who isn't a fighter but wants to get in shape and start learning the MMA game this one's going to be easy uh it's going to be boxing or wrestling now I'm going to say that with a biased perspective it's not to say that there's not rec- good self-defense I, if you know if the question was merely self-defense maybe my answer might change a little bit If my answer was self-defense, you could go a lot of different ways with that one, and you could even go jujitsu first on that one. So, But you're asking me for someone who isn't a fighter but wants to get in shape and start learning the MMA game. The reason why I would pick wrestling and or boxing would be those are going to be sports that are going to have much more of a clear emphasis um, on footwork. And um, I think the kinds of you know boxing obviously if you don't want to get hit is not going to be the right fit so pick another one wrestling but these are ones where footwork is going to be involved cardiovascular conditioning is going to be involved these are hard-nosed sports these are finite universes of sports where you cannot master them certainly or, or you can master them but you know you don't have to but th- there is a there's a great deal of specificity you could drive, dive into and, and it can really impart your wisdom obviously both of them in their own ways could translate over if they ever wanted to pursue MMA in a bigger way um, some might say kickboxing would be better cause it's more of a natural fit for MMA. I wouldn't really argue with them. I don't, I don't have enough knowledge of, um, pure kickboxing to have a strong opinion about that one way or the other, but I wouldn't get in the way of people making an argument. I'm just telling you from what I see in terms of like what matters for high level success and then which sports most closely correlate to that. In my opinion, it would be wrestling and boxing. Um, for the reasons aforementioned but you know those are hard-nosed sports like if you if I can understand why someone in their 30s is like okay well I'm not gonna I'm not a good fit for that in which case you'd be right you're not a good fit for that and if you still if you were like 31 32 and you actually did want to try martial arts well then I would absolutely recommend doing Jiu Jitsu in that case particularly Gi Jiu Jitsu where you can slow everything down older guys can kind of hang on in the 32 you're not like dying or anything but you know if you're going to really make it a lifelong journey. Um, yeah I would recommend that but if you're young enough and you're intrepid enough and you got enough you're feeling froggy that's the way I would go yeah for sure uh here we go Luke with the UFC continually putting together junk filler cards for ESPN fight nights is there a risk of viewership dropping low enough to where ESPN cuts ties or forces UFC's hand to put out a better product I don't think so I don't it's hard to say. First of all, I don't know what kind of numbers they're pulling, and I don't know what the thresholds are internally at ESPN, and that very much will drive the conversation. Really, it's just a question of their business model and what ultimately drives it. If what they're trying to do is maximize subscription growth on ESPN Plus, to what extent do the fight nights in any way facilitate that? Obviously, having the the wider uh, UFC brand is going to facilitate that but if we're talking individually what those nights do I don't know what the numbers are there but I would imagine that would be part of it to what extent do that does that drive want of you know here's the thing that for example I think folks may not really fully consider there are some hardcore MMA fans and UFC fans who will watch an event from beginning to end or you know long stretches of it anyway five six hours where, you know, football fans and the and the NFL struggles to keep fans where uh, an, an NFL football game is going to be three hours, three hours and some change usually, right? Or a baseball game, they've got the pitch clock. It's a little bit slower, but still you're talking around three hours or so. Soccer, less so with two. But the point is, is you can uh, – the UFC content will keep you on the app for a very long time, so your time in app is pretty significant. I would imagine this would matter for them. So it's a question of, like, what role – they're fulfilling in their business and again ultimately if they're able to stack cards for pay-per-view enough where espn feels like they're getting their money's worth on that end maybe they'll just they don't give a shit if these nights don't do well and these nights don't even like here's another thing that i've been saying i've been saying like um back when i know for i know this for a fact i know this for a fact back when joe silva was a matchmaker you would sometimes see cards with like i've said this before with like 15 fights on it, and you'd be like god damn that's going to be a really long night, right? Because so you got five for the main card. You'd have four for the arable prelims. That only gives you nine. I mean, you have six more fights? Now, some of us might be more accustomed to that who've been watching MMA a long time, but this was still when, you know, I remember UFC events that would have, you know, six fights, seven fights, eight fights, things like that. So you're talking now up to that. What it all was meant was that they was, uh, there was going to be like two or three fights on that card where guys were just owed fights, and they had nowhere else to put them. Right. So they would just throw them at the end, the beginning of some card, you know, on the prelims somewhere, bottom of the card, but the beginning of the event and it would just be what it was. And then it would go on to be a different event past those three fights or whatever. Now it looks like because they can construct their schedule much more uh, to their own liking and for, their own purposes, all they have to do is put a decent main event on it with some ranked fighters. Your mileage may vary about this particular weekend. And then all the other people that they owe fights to or are not high priority for major cards or whatever, they can just put the rest of them on there and then put a main event on top and then call it a fight night, put it in the Apex. Done. Like it may not serve any more purpose than that. And ESPN just doesn't care one way or the other because the things that they are they are looking for out of pay-per-views, out of subscription growth, out of whatever, uh, you know the amount of hours that they upload each month and in what ways, like you know how much content is actually available on ESPN Plus, all that stuff, all, all the things I'm talking about, if they fulfill those needs, then it may not matter at all. The real question is internally, what do these events do for ESPN? What are they looking for? Are they even looking for anything? Or are these just simply ways that UFC can you know, finish off their business needs and ESPN doesn't really care because that's not the end of the business they make money on anyway? It's a great question. Unfortunately, we do not have enough information to know. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens at the next media rights negotiation when the time comes and uh, see what changes, if any, they make. Okay, here we go. The DDP versus Whitaker fight got me thinking. What are some of the definitive level-up performances in MMA? Fights where one guy comes out and is suddenly far better than he was in any of his previous fights. Um, well, here's the thing. Some of the criticism of DDP was fair, right? It wasn't like we were just completely making it up. Like, we just... uh, re- Oh, there are a couple of follow ups in the super chat, but it's coming if you ever get back to that. Okay, yeah, it, uh, I'll get back to the follow ups in the super chat. Do you give me just a second here, um, Othello, You can just throw them on the screen if you want, but either way, let me finish this point if I may. The definitive level up performance. Some of the criticism of DDP was fair. I mean, the guy had tried for a lateral drop and then pulled, a, you know, an opponent on top of him. Like that's going to end up in someone's blooper reel. Like that did happen, and some of his mechanics are not textbook. Right. That I mean, there's not much to say about that being wrong. However, however, we let some of those things, which in terms of the result of the fight themselves, were in many cases inconsequential, uh, blind us to the reality of all the actually consequential things in his game that were pretty good. I think that part is fair. You know, there's no denying that we missed the boat on some of the things he was good at. And may have overemphasized some of the things he was bad at, but we didn't invent things he was bad at. Like he, there were some things he had done that were really noticeable. Um, so I would argue that it was a big level up performance because I, I think a lot of things came together for him. But it would be wrong to say like he looked like complete dog shit the fight before that. Like he didn't. Right? Again, we may have overemphasized some of the bad stuff, but if you go back and you watch like the Till fight, the Brunson fight. He makes some noteworthy mistakes. He does a lot of really good... He got his hand raised both times pretty triumphantly in the end, you know? Um, And I think that's what we kind of missed in the end. So what I'm trying to point out is it was more a level up of perception, not that he went from zero to hero as a fighter. He got better, 100%. uh, A noticeable improvement, but kind of incremental in that way. And so in that sense, one of the biggest ones to me would be like... You know how much better did he get fight over fight? I don't know, but like, where did he have a breakout moment? George St. Pierre beating Frank Trigg was a big one. I've talked about that one before on this live chat. That was huge. Frank Trigg was a known hammer in the uh, welterweight division at that time. He had fucked up Dennis Holman. Dennis Holman had had wins over Matt Hughes, you know what I mean? And Matt Hughes was the guy in that division. and Frank Trigg had lost to Matt Hughes, but uh, the belief was. Um, you know, he was right next to them. Like he was the guy under the guy. He was Rich Franklin to Anderson Silva, which was a fair assessment. And here comes George St. Pierre. And they're like, well, is he going to, I mean, how's he going to do against this guy? You know, and I, I, he may have been a slight favorite or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure what the odds were. So in that sense, it, it wasn't as much of what you're talking about here. Uh, but I remember that was a massive leveling up moment. That was really, 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 really big when he did that. I remember the entire MMA world was like, not shocked, but blown away by how impressive. Um, That performance was, I think, uh, you know, what the first Izzy beating Rob fight, you know, when he stopped him with strikes was a big one. That was a huge one. Um, More recently, anyway, um, a level up performance from a perception standpoint, the Chris Lieben one for Anderson Silva was also pretty big. John Jones beating um, Brandon Vera, breaking his face, even though Brandon was kind of on the downswing at that moment in his career. uh, I still think that the way in which he beat him like the ugliness of it was like holy shit (laughs) You were just i I, watching john jones's rise was crazy someone asked me today who my favorite fighter was i would not say that john's my favorite fighter i don't have that kind of attachment to him um but i would be lying if i said that like i mean think about this way right robbie lawler just retired you and i we are very lucky that we got to be around for the career of Robbie Lawler. That's a great thing. Like I often think about like, dude, what would it have been like to be around for the career of Muhammad Ali or my personal favorite, you know, Marvin Hagler? Like what would it have been like to be able to actually go to Marvin Hagler fights and watch his career from like beginning to end? Like that would have been a crazy experience, right? Um, I don't know that these are the equivalent, but these are the best ones our generation has to offer. I feel very fortunate to have watched Robbie Lawler's career. And John's had a lot of ups. He's had a lot of downs. Uh, you know, again, I don't have that like, oh, gee, I'm a fan in that way. But I do have respect for his abilities, obviously. And it has been quite a ride to be around for his reign. Um, you know, so there's something to be said for that. Uh, there's, been a, there's been a lot of these ones. But, the, but Drake is defined the odds. I mean, even Holly Holm beating Ronda Rousey was a big one in a different way. That was a pretty big night, you know, in terms of like shattering perceptions and whatnot. That was a pretty love that's a pretty big leveling up one so but there's been many there's been a bunch of many many good ones um okay oh let's get to these ones here we go uh someone goes in black is he used the to- dude you guys are upset. i i'm not even the one asking these questions use the n word as a weapon against ddp it was not fair at all well that's the whole point is he could have addressed the issue more intelligently but that was gross yeah i don't think he was trying to do that in the most intelligent way yeah I you know, I don't think he was like, um, you know, chess pieces. I mean, he looked like he had had a few drinks the that night, you know, which I'm not mad at him for it, but um who cares? I mean, who, I mean, guys, do it, I mean, Jesus Christ, are we going to sit here and say we're fucking injured over this? I mean, come on. We're better than this, y'all. Like, that's just, oops, so put the other one back on, BC. Yeah, here we go. This person writes, Terrence writes, I am black and couldn't care less. That's what I'm talking about. Also, cracker comes from slave owning, cracking the whip. Yeah, I mean, again, like um, I'm, I'm, I cannot believe how many people are asking about this candidly. I, y'all, y'all usually get on me for introducing race into the conversation. <laughs> Here I am, being like, we're really doing this. Like, who gives a fuck? Uh, if I am DDP, I say the N word back and sell 10 million pay-per-views. Yeah. That's not quite the flex you think it is. It's like, you know what, man, if someone said I was a Nazi, I'm just going to hail Hitler and, ca- and cash in. Yeah. I don't know if that's the wisest idea. Um, wouldn't recommend it. Wouldn't recommend it. That's not, mm-mm. uh, who gained more fans after the drama? Izzy or DDP? Well, uh, to answer that question, probably DDP for two for two good reasons one because izzy was acting in a way uh where you know he was i mean he was he was drawing a contrast right so you get you got to pick sides that will facilitate sorting two dude like that was a great win for Drickus. you know shut my mouth shut a lot of people's mouths i mean that was great uh he's on a high so like i think people who may have been wrong about him who didn't even like hate him or whatever who maybe were rob fans were like oh shit okay And listen, I'm sure it did turn some people off, but also here's what I think it actually did. What it actually did was make you want to see Izzy fight this contender, right? That's what it did. Like, it made the fight a lot hotter. I know some people are like, oh, it was all cringe fest bullshit. They're going to use that thing. Even if they don't play the N word or whatever, just the face off itself, they're going to go back to that a million times. Like, and then the whole African real thing, I mean, the whole thing is just beyond crazy at this point, but like all of that has made him like, uh, you know this guy is in many ways the opposite of me he's everything i hate about the fight game or i don't represent quite literally in many ways right even though there's actually a lot of things that bind them closer together than we, that, i mean that's sort of the whole point anyway it just drew it drew uh, a contrasting image it made you pick sides it made you want to see that that's the guy for that guy right that's for all the marbles like it did its job I, people being like oh it's going to turn me off in the fight dude that only sold them pay per views even if you thought it was ugly And I'm I'm not here to talk you out of it, or stupid. I'm not here to talk you out of it. But, like, did that hurt business on Saturday night? Like, the idea that that hurt business, you could only believe that if you just haven't been watching fights very long. Right? Or not long enough. I've seen not quite this exact thing, but I've seen things like this pretty close. It didn't dampen interest. Tory says, Colby being an openly racist persona skyrocketed him, and no one bats an eye and can see it as entertainment and selling the fight Just interesting. Right. Colby definitely, Colby, excuse me, Colby, I appreciate that, Tori. Colby has definitely um, just said outrageous, horrible shit. However, whether this is a coherent difference or not, you can decide uh, between saying something that is vile and then actually saying the N-word. And I feel like if you actually came out and said the N word and you look like me and you like made it a point to drive it home and now you're like, well, Mike Perry did it. But right. Mike Perry didn't do it on the UFC championship stage where these guys are going to be in ESPN, where you, you you have to do media around this. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like Mike Perry didn't draw the attention of the wider ESPN punditry class for that kind of thing i feel like a white guy doing that right back to izzy wood and i don't feel like the ufc wants that kind of attention right i mean this is all pragmatic this is not this is like no one taking a stand for the right thing in any direction but i'm just sort of pointing out like i do feel like even through my own skepticism of the ufc's motives that any rational business executive who is owned by disney would think it Poor for their business interest or any other ones to allow that to happen on a very public stage. I just don't feel like that's good. Aside from being abhorrent, uh, just not good for business, really bad for business. In fact, that would be Colby has done like there everyone's gonna have a different line about what they consider over the line. And for a lot of people in the fan base, because it's a predominantly white fan base, he has not done anything over the line, but because there is a lot of the fan base that like you know you just don't ever hear from because they don't have their voices amplified as much just the reality like there's a lot of people who look like me who do this job there's not a lot like who are like black women or whatever and i'm not saying there has to be quotas i'm just sort of pointing out like look who's there telling the stories people got to tell their own stories and if there's not enough of them telling it you're gonna hit you're gonna miss out on part of it um anyway i don't know where the fuck i was going with that but uh i'm just trying to point out um everyone should lighten the fuck up uh I don't think, in the broader sense, what Izzy did is some kind of thought crime or verbal crime. It's verbally hilarious. It's bizarre and weird and uncomfortable and not necessarily the prettiest thing, but innocuous in the end, right? Innocuous in the end. I think raising it to the next level would be... Anyway, I am just sort of pointing out the fan base thing. No one's telling the stories of, like, what's over the line for the African-American fan base because they don't really have, like, a clear, direct... Representative in the media in that way. You see them a lot in other sources of media. So, like everyone thinks, like, oh, you know, Colby like, you know, skirted the line. He crossed it in certain people's books. I'm just saying that uh even him crossing it, we haven't had a headliner for a pay-per-view just like openly embrace the N-word. Um, I can't believe we're talking about this 30 minutes <laughs> into today's chat. This is a weird one, huh? This is the weird one being the most downvoted one in history. Wow uh white guy lectures other white <laughs> his white audience about when to use the n-word and when not to i mean this is really a deeply enlightened conversation why are you guys asking me about this shit what am i gonna tell you you know what i mean like what do you want me to say like obviously the shit is abhorrent you know i just don't think you want somebody going up against izzy maybe your biggest star and then just directly calling them dude the n-word to his face i don't think that would go well but stranger things have happened i guess all right Uh, good one, actually. Uh, Luke, how would you rank UFC 290 compared to the other IFW cards now that it, it's happened? Is this the best IFW card that has taken place? So let me pull them up on our, I I will say, for uh, in terms of fun that I've had, it's the best one for sure. But that there might be a couple of close seconds, I believe. Let me see. Uh, list of uh. Cards, UFC, and then let's compare here. All right, here we go. International Fight Weeks. I'd have to pull up the list. Um, Oh, here we go. UFC 239 was a bad one. That's true. That one did not necessarily go that well. Oh, so UFC 175. This was the Ultimate Fighter finale taking place on Saturday. The original headliner was Vanderlei Silva and Chael Sonnen right that whole thing got messed up 226 which was in 2018 holloway had the the slurred speech and they had to, had to pull him out 213 which was in 2017 women's bantamweight champion man nunes had to pull out oh yeah ufc 200 we all know the story there 189 jose Alda withdrew against mcgregor although the mendez fight ended up being pretty sick and then ufc 162 of 2013 top for the contenders lamas and Chan Sung john was supposed to be in the co-main event Silva versus Wideman instead, young uh, Jung pulled out and Lamas was given a title shot a month later against Aldo UFC 163. There's 148, which was definitely not as good, 132, which was not as good. 116 was great. 116 was I'll do 116. I had more fun with the main event of Brock Lesnar versus Shane Carwin than any other fight, uh, on 290, but 290 as a whole was a better experience. Yes, I would say that for sure. Uh, okay. I got to ask this on MK, but I'll air it here very quickly. Luke, in 2015, women's 135 was considered one of the UFC's most popular weight classes with a number of quality fighters. Now it's widely seen as the worst in the promotion. What went wrong and how do we fix it? So I, I don't have a wonderful answer for you here, unfortunately. Um, I, I, this is what I said on MK. It's the best I can really give you. I don't have a clear sense of why the weight classes are sorting this way, except to say the following. It reminds me of of men's two hundred five. So back in the aughts, the you know UFC thirties and UFC forties or so, UFC fifties maybe even even past that to a degree. Um, the UFC's light heavyweight division was its best division. So two hundred five was its marquee division. I remember when they killed off one hundred fifty five. If you can believe it, I mean they killed off one hundred fifty five. Yes, they did, but they did it. Um, but 205 was the best one because this is where even in Pride, like all the best fighters were in Tito and Chuck and Randy and Vitor and then Vanderlei and Ricardo Arona and Shogun and Little Nog and Overeem. I mean, the, the, the amount of worldwide talent at 205 was like shocking at that time. It was clearly the best division in the world. And then as the fight game matured, what you saw is that the better fighters typically got lighter and smaller. That's not entirely true, but generally i think you could say you know the best divisions an are 155 and 135 it just seems to me that like women's 135 it's not exactly like the heavyweight division where it's obviously gonna be one of the shittier ones it's it's, you know it's not quite like that but the division the, the women's fighting sports got smaller and you know lighter basically and then as a consequence got better um so i don't quite i think the american public is only ready to accept a certain kind of fighter or not even the american public maybe just fight sports in general they lead with some of the bigger guys because you're looking for ferocity you're looking for size you're looking for just that wow factor and i guess you know um something was happening for women along those lines at 135 when ronda was coming through but as you can see as the sport matures and it gets better you can see the talent is much smaller in general um so i think that there's like what gets you in the door, and then what keeps you at the party appear to be two different things. Ooh, good one. Mateusz Gamrot versus uh, Rafael Faziv has been verbally agreed to. Jesus, what are your thoughts on this fight? Well, I mean, <laughs> it, about, about the most modern version of striker versus grappler is you're going to get. I mean, this one's pretty easy, right? Gamrot is not going to hang on the feet with Fazeev. I mean, that's just not going to happen, right? He'll get chewed the fuck up very quickly. If it's it's a kickboxing fight, he'll get eaten alive, okay? The question is not that. The question is, can Key actually do that? Um, We shall see. (laughs) We shall see. That's a great fight. Fazeev was doing well against Gaichi, but got beaten down the stretch. Gaichi had that dog in him. And he got it from him really uh gamrot is tenacious but somewhat limited and so this is a great fight you got a guy who's not quite as skilled in the in in certain really important actually not quite not nearly as skilled in in a very important dimension but has a boatload of tenacity i guess another guy who it's not fair to say lacks it but has some answering to do given how his last bout went I guess the guy who's going to got he'll put that right back in his face. Love this fight. Love what it means for Gamrot to get right. Love what it means for Fazeev to get right. They should be fighting each other now. They've both kind of tasted the top and fell a little bit short. Let's see who can resort their way back up there. Big stakes. Love it. Hard to dislike a fight like that. Very hard. Okay, here we go. Luke, now that Francis has signed a good deal with PFL and has a big payday fight with none other than Tyson Fury, do you think this is enough for the MMA media and fans not to throw darts on a fighter who dare to choose options outside of the UFC? No, of course not. They would do They're going to. Okay. Two things. Number one, I have a poll right now. If you'd like to take it uh, on the chat box, you can go and vote. Are you going to pay? I didn't say watch because I know you fuckers are going to watch. We're all going to watch. I mean, shut the fuck up. You're going to watch. Okay. But that's a separate question from whether you will pay for it. Will you pay for it? Take the poll. I'd love to announce the results here at the end. Now, that's number one. Number two, people, please make no mistake about it. It doesn't matter who is next and how long it is. As long as the same dynamics that Francis challenged continue to exist, the next person who fills Francis's role is going to get the exact same treatment nothing will change the media was not i mean there were some media that was against francis i would argue that the media was from what i could tell much more in francis's favor as just a way of cheering on self-actualization or something and maybe they're you know you might even argue stick it to the ufc whatever motivation you would like to impart i do think that they have i mean you can't both accuse them of being like francis nuthuggers, and also they didn't like advocate for his cause i think that they have i certainly on mk we have right i mean it's just reality um so i don't think it's the media that you really have to worry about in this particular case uh for the next guy to come along i'm sure some might throw darts at them but if nothing changes around francis other than what he does with his own employment status and the things he was railing against continue to exist in the way that they do, what would change? Why would there be a change of heart? It would still be a prized fighter, seemingly with years left to give fights that people care about. Like, that's people do want to see Francis fight John, right? Um, Getting sideways with the UFC for a promoter that the vast majority of UFC fans either don't know or respect. Why would there be any change in opinion about it. There would be nothing different. The only thing that's going to be different is if this attitude uh, becomes pervasive enough to have some kind of an effect over how the business actually operates. Um, Whether that is through osmosis convincing this judge in the class action lawsuit or motivating Senator Mark Wayne Mullen from Oklahoma to reintroduce legislation and committee to have the Ali Act extended to MMA unless that this becomes not just what people view as true but like a PR campaign of some kind uh where it carries like it catches fire and goes um then no the next person is going to get treated exactly the same they're going to be committing the exact same sin against the exact same people who you know you could say oh well Francis showed them that they're myopia was wrong no Francis showed them that their myopia about Francis may have been wrong not that like the next person the the, the next person will be like well who the fuck do you think you are Francis Ngannou I mean they're gonna say that they're gonna say that like you're not him and you know listen I will say Francis did make it look easy it's not easy like like it took Fury ducking the shit out of Usyk for this to happen which I didn't see coming like didn't see that coming at all but here we go here we go like it just this shit happens in some ways like that you know so um so yeah no the next person's gonna get exactly the same tra- as, as, as long as the current structure is the way that it is and as long as they're that size of the market that they are and this person was as valued as francis some kind of champion of significance yep they'll get treated exactly the same not a goddamn thing will be different zero Uh, This person asks, after fighting, Matt asks, after fighting Fury, do you think Francis will have motivation to fight MMA? Good question. I think the deal with PFL was just a marketing play to stick it to Dana. Thoughts? Uh, Good question, but I don't think so. Um, I will say this. I will say this. If he actually, I mean, here's some ways it gets kind of complicated. One, um, I'm going to put out in public that I think my estimation of what he takes home is going to be north of 30 million. I don't know how much more than that could be significant, maybe not, but here's my official guess based on what I'm hearing. I think when it's all said and done, how much will he have made from this fight? I'm going to say 30 million or more, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, an astronomical amount, like a shit ton. Uh, I still think even in that scenario, he fights MMA. But the question is, for how long? If his pay per views are duds and then he gets injured or something, I think that could drastically alter the timeline of his exit. You know, the other thing is this I don't think this is in any way likely, but Francis has fucking insane power. And I know what you're saying you're saying, well, Fury fought uh Deontay Wilder. I-, I understand, I understand, but we can't completely rule out the idea of francis winning i unlikely is a the nicest way you can put it but it is it is possible in the event that he wins i don't know when he would fight mma at that point it would be or if he would again i mean if he beats fury and they have to do a rematch and this time like i know this sounds crazy talk but dude like we live in a world where tyson fury is boxing francis fucking Ngannou, might as well might as well take it to its logical conclusion if Francis ends up winning, however improbable you might imagine, and now Tyson has to come back and have a rematch with him. And now the WBC belt is on the line, like, and you know, let's say Francis makes a 40 or 50 million dollar cut because he's the A side at that point, or even more. Can you imagine if he makes a 60 or 75 million dollar cut? I mean, if something, you know, the most insane probability has to happen. I think if that happened, yeah, I really would worry about him coming to MMA. I think at that point the answer is probably not. Right. Probably not. Um, but if he just wins and has a noble, oh, sorry, if he just fights, loses and has a noble showing and gets paid, let's say, in the or in the in the realm of 30 million dollars, I do think he fights PFL. I don't know how many times I don't know if, against who, um, but, you know, if Francis goes out there and becomes a big, big ass star after this and again, does the impossible and beats fury. Do you know how big of a fucking star he's going to be? People are going to be like clawing to fight that guy in PFL, clawing, like the like the. You talk about red panty night; it would be the reddest of all panty nights. Uh, forget about it. You know what I mean? Like that would be huge. So, those are extremely unlikely outcomes. But I think that is what it would take to like actually pull him away from MMA, unless injury continues to play a role. This is the other part too, though. Like training for boxing. Um, you know, again, it's it's not easy because of the skill difference. You can't make that up no matter how many hours you put in. By the time you're 36, you're not going to catch up to Tyson Fury. But it is less wear and tear on the body than MMA. It is less wear and tear. Um, we'll see. Thoughts on everyone backpedaling on Nganu? Well, here's what I'll say about that. Listen, let me tell you the secret to this job, right? It's, it's just a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> okay? If you talk for a living, the amount that someone in this role talks, or Colin Coward, or Stephen A. Smith—I'm not saying I'm on their level, I not financially, not not even a fraction—but I'm saying, and the, I'm the Ariel Hawani, whoever, any of us doing this job, Brian Campbell, you name it—if uh, you talk as much as we do, you're going and you're just issuing opinions. I mean, if you're talking about other facts, that's a different thing. But to the extent you're issuing opinions, you're going to be wrong about them a fair degree. Right, you're going to be wrong about them a fair degree. Um, it's just it's just impossible. People think you can curate it enough to be finely tuned every time you open your mouth to be logically consistent and mistake free, and it it's not possible. And then what the the reality is is that um, the more famous you are, the more you get audited for that. It's the chumps, you know, at the bottom that no one ever audits who have that kind of the largest mouth about it. But um, the point I'm trying to make here is backpedaling. Cormier has a big audience and he kind of said I was wrong and said, I would love to fumble your bag. Like I think I don't expect out of anyone who talks into a microphone for a living to be consistently correct. I don't really think that's possible, but uh, what I do think is to the extent possible, uh, trying to level with your own failures with the audience is great. It's a good thing. You should be honest with them. People think, Oh, it makes you look bad. Well, if if someone is turned off by the fact that I'm wrong, there's no one else they're going to get to and not get that from. Yes, of course, people are going to be wrong and right in different amounts and in different ways. You're trying to get someone who has maybe the right answers about the bigger questions, about the ones that matter more to you or has a particular kind of expertise, sure. But I'm just trying to point out like people are like, oh, well, they were really wrong. Uh, I don't mind that. What I mind is like, well, I, I do mind that, but I can at least appreciate uh, someone like Daniel Cormier who – came right out and was like yeah i mean i'm clearly wrong about that like i i appreciate I, I, that's not easy to do people think it makes you look weak no it makes you look much stronger actually in the end because the audience kind of knows that you're not going to be on some of these things anyway probably not full of shit but obviously you're asking like why were they doing it to begin with well some have a financial commitment to the ufc i mean there's a lot of people i know who are taking checks from the ufc who are terrified to give their opinion on anything in mma and combat sports um i don't that's no way to live for me but um The issue was Francis took an enormous gamble, and Francis has made it look easy. So I can't begrudge anybody who was skeptical. Dude, I was skeptical. How am I going to begrudge anyone for being skeptical? He was at, he was trying to do the impossible. Hey, I'm going to leave the UFC as their heavyweight champion. I'm going to f- sign with an organization that most people don't know or give a fuck about um i'm gonna have a lot of money in this contract i have a lot of money for my opponent in this contract i'm gonna have all these incredible things in my contract and i'm gonna go and box and i'm gonna fight you know the biggest name in boxing and the heavyweight division i'm gonna fight tyson Fury. you'd be like get the fuck out of here you know <laughs> good luck and here we are you know what i mean like this is the impossible so the skepticism i think was quite rational the issue for me was everyone looking around and being like okay i guess we're done here let's call let's call it you know and and Francis was still rounding the bases. He wasn't done running yet. And so uh to me, it just seems like people, people don't want the uh order of the UFC's uh stature in the industry to be challenged, right? People are comfortable with the UFC. I think a lot of this what comes down to this is people are very comfortable with it. It's one brand that they know. There's so many names there that they like, you know, or even just if it's just a few, but like that's where they know to go. Like it's the Kleenex. It's the Coke. It's everything where it's got this brand that is synonymous with the sport. And that's like easy to follow. And there's like a certain degree of comfort with that. And I understand that. I I mean, who could not who could who could say otherwise? It's an. it's important that actually, you know, listen, MMA with a weak UFC. I don't know if that's a better MMA like that's you know, what I mean, even if there was parity with other promoters, but like it's a weakened position is that better MMA? I mean I saw you I saw MMA when it was weaker than Pride. It, it's not as good as it is today although I do think obviously a lot of what's been lost to Pride has been a shame. But you get my point like you want it strong. The question is like the degree to which they have this control um is this level of control is this level of hegemony is this what you want? Um yeah, I don't know about that. And you know, all of the proxies who have this relationship to UFC either financial or, you know, emotional or otherwise doing their bidding and just kind of, you know, again, dude, it's like going to the casino and rooting for the house. Like, who does that? Who the fuck does that? Um, people who are very invested in the existing established order do that. That's that's a it's it's clear, it's comfortable, it's continuous. It's right there, all taken care of. I understand that appeal. I just don't think that's a reason to construct the industry on, in this particular way. Okay. Luke, do you think there's any chance at all that the Fury Francis fight circus will alter wider sports and mainstream media to the whole reason this is even happening? The fight or pay issue that made Francis leave the UFC and take this path and cover it more? Good question. You rightly uh, talk often about the lack of any real journalism in MMA, and surely if this fight doesn't spark any real coverage, nothing ever will. I'm not optimistic about this, but wondering what your thoughts might be. So, really, this is such a great question Um, because you might be saying, "Well, we already lived through a much bigger version of this with Mayweather and McGregor, and that really didn't make it known about fighter pay in that way." And that would again, that was a however big this ends up being, I don't think it's gonna be bigger than May Mac. That's a huge fight, right? So if the if that issue survived that, wouldn't this survive this one? But this is a very different scenario, is it not? McGregor was still under contract. UFC took a cut of that. The media was, uh, you know, much more on the UFCs and certainly Conor McGregor's terms. I think the fact that, you know, um, I don't, I think the, pay issue was woven into the conversation a little bit but it was more about like wow Connor's getting this great payday isn't this amazing what an MMA fighter can do it was almost seen as like aspirational rather than reflective about what was really going on so that's part of it the other part is dude okay so I don't actually live far from NPR and I don't listen to them anymore because every time you turn it on it's the most I won't say meaningless story but it's the most like unhelpful lens into a story but they did do one thing. I don't know if, I don't know which local affiliate it was. They had talked about the Francis Ngannou story. Uh, and they did a pretty good job, actually. It was really fair. It was accurate. It was all the right details were hit. Like, I was, like, you know, normally when you listen to anything in mainstream media about MMA, they always get bullshit wrong. Or you kind of just live with it. But they get the broad strokes kind of right and then none of the other stuff. No, they got it all. Like, someone clearly did their homework there. And, uh, you know, look at what Francis is doing. Francis took on the UFC, and this is like the reward almost, where he can turn it into that anyway. My point being is Francis himself, unlike Conor McGregor, can drive a media cycle about why this is happening for him. It's not just he could, for example, say that I come from humble beginnings and working in sand mines at age ten. But on top of that, I was with the UFC and I, you know, I, the contract was unfair and I wanted to chart my own destiny and blah blah blah. Like he can introduce it into the uh, consciousness. The talking, he can make it talking points give them to the media as he can, you know, does every single, he's going to be doing more media than he's ever done in his life. I guarantee you that uh, he can do all of this and then make this story about that as much as he wants. And by the way, if he's promoting this event, who knows what say they have over what digital assets go out, what kind of video assets go out, what kind of ads they run, what the ads say, like when you're your own promoter, dude, you get to pick all this shit, what music gets played at this, who is streaming that who is talking on the stream like you get you, you you can pick all that shit so the level of detail if he has any kind of halfway decent operation to promote that storyline if he wants to is significant in that instance yes that would be a dramatically different situation than what we have with Mayweather McGregor. The only question is whether or not he will push it as such and whether or not he will make it about him versus UFC. You know, you might say, well, he doesn't want to do that because it ends up being some kind of bizarre distraction and introduces UFC when he wants to make us all about him and Fury. You, of course, that could be it too. I'm not declaring to you what he will or won't do. I do not know. Uh, but the tools that exist... um that give him the option to introduce that and the motivation is significantly different than mayweather with mcgregor even if it doesn't have the same potential audience size uh who will whoever promotes the fury and gun who fights top rank as i understand it and then along with the um individual promotional arms of the fighters be able to use ufc francis highlights Fuck no I reckon that would be pretty detrimental to putting together a quality promo package, We don't foresee the UFC having any interest in accommodating whatsoever. Yeah, no. Um, Given my experience working uh, in the industry and having to navigate this particular issue, let me tell you that there is a zero fucking percent chance. You can quote me on that. There is a zero fucking percent chance that the UFC will allow Francis to have his image rights around... um, uh, or exercise them around the footage that he is involved in like nope nope zero chance they're gonna have to make highlights without it they can use photos right there's all the you can buy all the getty images you want there might be uh well you know what actually hold on hold on on, actually let me let me now now let me contradict myself so espn might be showing the pay-per-view right ultimately it's the ufc's call my belief is that whatever the maximum amount of uh, prevention they can do to limit what Francis can use, they will use. If ESPN has certain access to footage by virtue of being a broadcast partner. And like, so for example, there's lots of different agreements between partners in the industry, between like CBS Sports and ESPN, ESPN and ABC. Well, they're all owned together, but uh, NBC or whatever, like NBC to CBS, CBS to ABC, all these different places, they all have a kind of agreements on what footage they can use and under what ways. A lot of the agreements look like, hey, here's our defined package of highlights you're allowed to use for, let's say this college football game. And you can reshow those kinds of things. You can't just show you know, um, just your own edit, unless you have some other kind of way to get approval. You get what I'm saying. Everyone just kind of shares these pre-made packages. Maybe ESPN has access to different versions of footage that way. But again, as, as long as the footage rights and what they can show is a UFC decision, there is a zero p- fucking percent chance they'll get it. If ESPN has some say, the equation's a little bit different. Yeah, Uf- UFC ain't sharing that shit. Like, no, uh-uh. Nope. Um, Do I think that Hamzat is a real threat for Izzy, provided he can make it up there in time? Sure, sure. Would I like to see Leon versus Colby or Leon versus Islam in October card? I guess Leon versus Colby. I don't want to see Leon versus Colby, but I'd rather see him fight another welterweight, you know? i mean i'd rather see leon fight another Walter White. um okay here we go good question depending on the pay-per-view buys and buzz this fight generates do you think the ufc would ever consider a cross-promotion fight with the pfl to do jones versus Nganu? fuck no you can quote me on that too oh uh, how about this as long as Dana white's in charge fuck no no maybe there's somebody else over there that has a different idea i don't know i doubt it um Dude, they like their position on top of the fight game. They don't want really to want to share it. And they're willing to not make fights on occasion. Again, they have most of the talent. They're going to make most of the best fights just by virtue of what they've got, right? Uh, but they're not going to have every single good fight. And, uh, you know, oops, hold on. Oh, we got the, oh, we got the poll results here coming from Othello. I'll look at those in just a second. Um. But you know why would they want to share that with anyone else? They don't want to make this is part of the problem with monopoly. Like one of the downs, there's there can be some benefits. Not uh, all. Uh, it's a net negative. Um, but there can be some, certain realities about life on monopoly that people don't necessarily mind. But there's going to be some that they do, and one of which is that like in this particular case, the monopolist doesn't have um, any incentive to actually make the best fights, but rather to protect its brand, in some cases, by going against making the best fights. These are not common situations, in fairness to the UFC. I don't think that they find themselves in a lot of situations like this. But this is one such case. For folks who may not be aware, the UFC could tomorrow make Jones versus Francis Ngannou. They could do it just like this. They don't even have a different broadcast partner. They all air on ESPN. You don't even have to figure that out. This fight could literally be made tomorrow in boxing they would i mean this would never be held up this is the equivalent of match and golden boy like deciding that one's not going to work with the other one or something and those guys hit each other but they're still going to make fights right they're still going to make fights the point i'm trying to make is you don't even have to clear that hurdle. It's not like, hey, this certain person's on PBC and Showtime and this one's on top-ranking ESPN. How are they going to fight? Let's figure out a way. They don't even have to worry about that. They can make that fucking fight tomorrow. But the UFC has just conditioned everyone to to like think that not co-promoting is utterly normal and because it, they want to um, do business that way that we should all just think that's okay. And it's like, I get why they want, but I don't have to think that that's great. I understand why they want to do it they, at all costs. They want to preserve what their power structure and what they've got. I get that. That doesn't serve me in any capacity that I give a fuck about. What I give a fuck about is the fights being made that all matter. This situation directly impedes that. So, like, you can still want a healthy and vibrant and strong and, frankly, like, dominant UFC and still say it's bullshit that they won't make this fight. And everyone's like, well, again, it's in their business interest. Right. Understand something. If it's in your interest as a business, and, and please, by the way, that's, a, that's just a determination, not like an actual fact of reality. It's just a, that's an opinion, really. But let's even assume that that's true. If you're surmising that it's in your interest to do it, fine. And you want to act on that. There's questions about trade-offs and like what you would actually be doing against your own brand if you actually made fights like this. And I don't think the trade-offs are all that bad. But again, everyone's going to have a different answer to that. Fine even if you believe that that is the case, that doesn't absolve you from the responsibility of who is not making this fight, right? You can say, it's worth it to me to eat shit on this question because I want to preserve the brand, and I can understand that, but you still have to eat shit. You can't say, we're not involved in the in this fight not being made, like, where it's not our fault. If you're saying, well, as a general guiding orientation we're not going to work with other promoters. Well, okay, I can understand your reasoning. That doesn't absolve you from responsibility. You're still very much responsible. You just you just don't want to like have to eat shit for it, but you know, that's the way it works. I mean, you got to. You got to. It still works. Uh, oh, good question. I don't think this is a crazy question at all now that I've seen this game a little bit. How does Duplessis beat uh old Izzy? What are his chances of doing so? Are they greater than Costa Vittori and Cannoneers? Yeah, they are. Um, Duplessis is, I think, very capable of beating Izzy. And you guys know I have been uh, quite supportive of him. Um, But I think this might be his most serious challenge since the second Rob fight, maybe even before that, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's not hard to imagine ways where... um, is he's gonna fuck him up, right? Uh, the leg kicking game, distance management, uh, you know how he reacts to blitzes. Not really being a, a blitzer himself, he's gonna be ma- much more careful about maintaining range, much more careful about going to the body, right? Like, did you guys? I I, I did a whole thing on this. My, I have a video up on the site right now, YouTube.com/slash Luke Thomas, where we go into what DDP did because I felt like I owed it to him. Right, I got so wrong about him. I was like, man, I can't just like pretend that didn't happen. I got to go through and figure out what I missed. And then watching his game, a couple things occurred to me, dude. This is a, I mean, we guys we already know this, but let's say it out loud, dude. This is a big, strong, physical, fucking middleweight. Like he is a, he is a Clydesdale man. That's a big, strong guy. He looks like he could very much translate to 205 if he ever has to make that move a little bit later in his career and not have a problem with it. Um, so when he lands on you, it is devastating, and he is not afraid to throw at all. And one thing I went into is even when he gets hit, he always strikes back. He's the first one throwing in combination. He's the last one throwing in combination. He is always trying to do – he's um, – you know, what, are they, what do they call uh, – what the fuck was his name? Um, I forget, but the point I'm trying to make is he is – Always hustling. He is always hustling. And that gets him a lot of free offense. There was one point in this fight with Rob where Rob was kind of fading back when he thought the exchange was over. And here comes DDP turning on the afterburners and he catches him with another big punch and it rocks his head way back. Like, dude, he he finds ways to sneak in whatever he can through sheer force of will and good technique. Like that matters. He's big and he's strong. His ground game is, dude, he he opened Whitaker's guard with something called the Sal Paulo pass or like a um Uh, you can call it a Tozy pass as well. It's named after a guy who used it last name was Tozy. Um, and it's this pin where it looks like you're almost arm barring or you're getting ready to get arm barred, where you're driving their leg and their hips high into the air, their legs straight down, and then you pull, you actually pull their head in. And it's this crunch and it's this like super mean, hardcore pass that like basically the only way to relieve pressure is to open the guard. That's why people open it. It's not, I talk about passing, like there's different kinds. There's like Toriando passing where you can, for example, you can grab the pant legs or even just move the legs to the side then you're mobily passing, right? So it's a Toriando pass. And then There are the the kinds of smash passes, and dude, this guy, of course, he's not using mobile passing and cartwheeling. This guy is using fucking hardcore grinder passes, where they're just making your life miserable underneath. You have to be strong. You have to have dominant top control. You got to have kind of like a bully mentality to make those passes work. And he made it work. How many times have you seen a, a, a Sao Paulo pass? In high-level UFC, like that, like so. I'm trying to point out, like his ground game. We are seeing his 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 ground and pound is vicious, and also like his guard passing is aggressive, unusual. That you don't see a lot of passes like what he's doing, and like, dude, kind of hard nosed. I mean, he's making you suffer underneath. He's not just like passing because he has dominant angle and he can just step right around. No, 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 no. He's he's making it hard for you. So I think all that kind of speaks to what he's got. Like, could you imagine Izzy can be hit? Izzy does get hit. You get hit by a guy like that. He's a ruthless finisher. He is 100% committed. The thing I think that trips him up is he has um, what I'm going to describe as inefficient mechanics. And I think sometimes that puts him in suboptimal positions. And also, uh, I don't think he's got quite the offensive arsenal that someone like Izzy does. And I think he makes more mistakes in pursuit of things. And you know, he does like he does like the blitz on a line. So there's reasons to think that Izzy could tear him up, but like, do I respect Dricus's chance? Yeah, dude. I'm not gonna be I mean, I might be wrong about him in the future as I would be right or wrong anyone, but I'm not gonna be at like I'm not gonna be wrong for the same reasons about him again. Like that's not gonna happen. You know, I I I he lesson learned, you know, he he is much better than I ever thought he was, and I have to respect that a lot. So I do. Um yeah, I, I think this is a very tough fight for Izzy, one of the toughest. An unorthodox guy with unusual ability, uh, but is physical, well-rounded in general, well-rounded, um, dominant on top, uh, appears to be oxygenated, <laughs> appears to be oxygenated, so in good shape. Yeah, he's a very tough customer. Uh-huh, no doubt about it. Okay, let's get to some of your uh, paid ones. If you got them, smoke them if you got them, Johnny. Let's see what you got. Here we go. George, who, by the way, is took this picture here in D.C., given what is behind him. Uh, did your interest in the art of debate influence your interest in MMA? Fuck no. Not the adversarial nature, but the defined rule set and problem solving. No, 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 no. No, debate nerds are the biggest nerds you've ever seen. They look like Mark Zuckerberg. Like, just the biggest nerd you've ever seen in your life. I mean, he can pretend and he can confuse everyone else into thinking that he's something other than what he is, but, like, that is a debate nerd. No. Uh, Okay. Would you rather have Askren's boxing and Yoel's Yoel's fight IQ or be Carlos Condit's takedown defense and Nate Diaz's head movement? Um, you know what? I'll take Carlos Condit's takedown defense because at least he had a good guard. I'll say that. Here we go. This person writes, my friend is interested in going into the military after college. Can you explain some of the benefits after college? Okay. Can you explain some of the benefits and negatives and if it's worth it? Well, this would depend entirely on your friend whom I do not know. Uh, I can't tell you much. Here's what I can say. The military in the United States is broken up into two different basic categories. There are enlisted and there are officers. In order to be an officer, these are the people you call sir and ma'am. These are the ones that ultimately end up being on the Joint Chiefs of Staff if they, they seek it out long enough. These are the ones in command positions throughout the United States military. You have to have a college degree to get that. There are other people they call sir and ma'am. They're called warrant officers who are between enlisted and officers, but there are not many of them. For all intents and purposes, there are only two, officers and enlisted. Enlisted are the people who go into it and do what call what you might call the grunt work. Uh, you, can, you can be in the infantry as an officer and you can be in the infantry as enlisted, but they do very different things on the battlefield, right? Some people are in the trenches and some people, I mean, you could be on the trenches and be an officer as well, but... Um, I'm just saying, like, there's no chance you're not going to be if you're O three thirty one and uh, or 311 and you're uh, enlisted. Um, so the question is what they want to do. So if it's after college, they want to be an officer. What do they want to command? Uh, and what branch would they want to do it in? I don't know how to answer that for them. I can tell you in the Marine Corps, you go to a place called Quantico and you go into school there and you can tell them what you want to do, but they divide each graduating class up into threes and you can be the top of the bottom at each of those three. So they just kind of split it. Now, one of those is higher than the other ones. It is ranked one, two, three, but even inside ranking of one, two, three, you could be number one in the second group or number one in the third group. And if you're number one in the third group, you're going to have a better uh, uh, chance of getting coveted jobs. And if you're at the bottom half of group two, even though if you're in a higher group, it's got a whole really complicated thing. The point I'm trying to make out is like, what do you want to do? What kind of money do you want to make? Do you like, if you're going to go in as an officer, like you're going to have to go in probably for eight years, if not more, it's a career. You know, that's really a, a life you want to live. Um, I would recommend staying the absolute fuck out of the Marine Corps. Uh, but, Unless, if, unless your person is very gung-ho, in which case that's going to be a great place. If your friend is a maniac, send them into the Marine Corps. If they're not, send them someplace normal like the Navy or the Air Force where they can make a lot of money and then take those skills into the civilian workforce and make a shit ton of money uh, is what I would say, yeah. Uh, what do you think about the rise and fall of the so-called intellectual dark web? I mean, I've not monitored it closely. Um, I didn't take seriously any group that was called intellectual that had um ben shapiro in it so i can tell you that was a non-starter for me i never gave it much of a chance (laughs) candidly and i like some of the people who are in the group you know i'm not um you know i think uh, there's fair criticisms to be made of joe but i think there are some fair points about joe to make on the other side um i don't hate everything sam harris has ever done i like some of the stuff that he's done um you know I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other cause I don't really care about looking into the Jordan Peterson question, but you know, anybody that was like, Oh, and then who wasn't Dave Rubin part of that as well. I mean, you just, you know, guys, this is not, this is not a group for, uh, I'm sorry for serious people. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know how else to tell you. Like I, if you like any of those other people individually, then I'm not here. Uh, you know, fine. Live your life. But, I'm not. I'm not going to get emotionally invested in any group like we're the intellectual so and so's and like Dave Rubin and Ben Shapiro, and it's like okay, well, I'll I'll pay attention elsewhere. Uh, all right, thanks, my man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jules. Uh, would Brian Campbell behave on an episode of Room Service Diaries with Brett Okamoto? I don't know. Is <laughs> he does want to bang him? I want to be very clear about this to the audience. Brian Campbell wants to have sex with Brett Okamoto. I mean, that's very. It's very clear. Um, Brett's great. I mean, I definitely like Brett, but uh, not how I would spend my time, you know? But, hey, BC is his own man, is he not? Ideal UFC 300 main card. Jesus, I haven't even thought about that. Um, I will say this. I'm not nearly as down on the return of Ronda Rousey as some people. Like, I don't know if it's a good idea for her or not. The way she went out wasn't great, but. You're gonna tell me you got a better idea for 135? Let me hear it. Um, Why not? Like maybe she gets roasted again. Okay, she maybe she does. What if she wins? Like I don't know. I kind of thought the way she went out, she should have wanted better for herself, not losing to Amanda. I, I don't really, you know. I fine. You're not gonna get that one back uh, one way or the other. But maybe having like a better showing, like reminding people like about the good days, like. She went out after the horrible loss to Holly, which I understand must have been traumatic, and then followed up with like another devastating loss, and then a whole week where she wouldn't. I was there that week. That was the week where uh, Dana White said Nate uh, Nate Diaz was bigger than I was. So the same week, and uh, um, which he assuredly is not. And uh, anyway, like it all ended so sour. You know, I know there was a rebound in WWE to an extent. I don't know. I don't know how the fans feel about her these days, but. Um, I don't know, man. Like, would I have liked to have seen something better for her in MMA in terms of the ending of things? Yeah, I would have. Like, having seen, I'm not putting her on the same level as like the adoration we give to Robbie Lawler for Robbie Lawler reasons, but like, dude, she was really important for women's MMA. She was important for UFC. We had some good times when Ronda Rousey was fighting. I would have liked to have seen it end better than it did. I mean, she brought it on herself. I'm not saying it like, you know what I mean? Like, she did this to herself, and I understand that. But at the same time, like everyone feels like that's okay. Like, yeah, like one of the most important figures in UFC history just like told everyone to fuck off and never came back. I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm happy to. I like I think 135 could use her candidly, and if she could fight Holly again and people cared, why not? Uh, Trumbo asks if Ronda can't comes back at 145 as rumored. Okay, you, you know if she's at 145, you, a you could do the Kayla fight. Like, you got a better idea for Kayla? Let me hear it. You know what I This is what I mean. Like, you know, is it essential that Ronda returns? No. You know, is it – would it set the world on fire? Maybe not. But I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. All right, if Ronda comes back at 145, does she fare better here than 135, 135? One thirty five. I guess it's only a weight-cutting issue. Could she win the belt there with her? I mean, I don't even know if there's a division or if she wants to stick around. And I know Ariel Hawane, I think, reported today that – um you know, Ronda's not interested or something to that effect. Maybe so. Um, I'm just sort of speaking out loud. Like, I saw people being like, oh, I wouldn't want to see her back. Well, I've not paid attention to a fucking thing she's done in pro wrestling. I don't wish for her the way it ended in MMA at all. I don't think that's great. I would love for her to come back and get it right with everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned briefly on MK yesterday the Azatar article in The Economist. Should we be donks, be very mindful of how we see athletes and cautious of their influence and interest, LeBron in China? Yeah, LeBron is not in any way. Um, let me pull this article up for you guys so you guys can see what I'm talking about. Uh, hold on, and then I'll answer your question. It's a great question. So look at this shit. I'm not doing a bit here. This is a real article from The Economist. The Mysterious... Excuse me. The Mystery of Morocco's Missing King. In 2018, a German kickboxer befriended Mohammed VI. The monarch has rarely been seen since. Excuse me. The fourth. Right? No. Yes. Right? No. The sixth. I'm sorry. Um, Because it would come in front. And then you have to log in to get it. But it tells the story of uh, the Azatar brothers. And one in particular here. Um, Let me take this off. Sorry. Uh having an influence on him to the point where like there, it's almost like a Rasputin, you know, imperial family of Russia kind of situation, like this craziness. And like, there's like no, there's like no coverage of it on fight week. It's like the, I mean, MMA blo- dude, people don't give a fuck in MMA. It is crazy to me. It is fucking crazy. Like <laughs> my dad doesn't give a shit about MMA in any capacity whatsoever. And I, again, I'm not like, of all the things to be mad at your, your dad about, I that doesn't bother me. I swear to God, of all the things, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't expect him to. Why would he? He's 82. Who cares? Right. He boxed in high school, my dad. Uh, and this is a true story. He quit boxing when he got, who he, he said, he said, um, so my dad grew up in 1950. My dad must have graduated, I think 1950 late 50s, I'm not sure, 58, 59, something like that. Um, and uh Oh God, who was it? Was he Iroquois? My dad went to school in Oklahoma and there were like Native Americans at neighboring schools. And he said he went to a boxing match and the matches were like three rounds in high school. You know, this is the 1950s United States where you can just box in high school. And he said he got fucking whooped by this Native American kid from wherever he was from. Like, it was so bad. He was like, I can never do this again. And apparently that kid went on to win states and go to nationals. I don't know. Who knows how he did, at you know, in the 1950s, whatever. But apparently he was actually pretty fucking good. Uh, and my dad was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Anyway, he doesn't give a shit about this stuff. And he sent me this article being like, is this... Is this true? And I'm like, oh, Dad, this is. He he. I mean, he knows who Ramzan Kadyrov is. He didn't know the connections to like the UFC, and he was like, it blew his fucking mind, like it did mine. That like, the, and no one reports on this. I'm like, well, they do, but nobody cares. <laughs> nobody gives a shit. It, like nobody gives a oh, fuck. It's, it's the most mind blowing thing in the world. In any other world that I've ever lived in, it would be, like existential scandal just another week in MMA just another week you know this whole thing about like I mean I'm I don't want to compare them all in the same way you know I'm not comparing them in fact they're very very different but like I've been you know I've not been the kindest to Mark Zuckerberg and I've been like people are like oh you're just too hard on him you know uh and I'm like I don't think I am like I work in a city where, okay, he was bright, but he went to Harvard. Like, dude, there's lots of people who went to Harvard who live in this city. Let me tell you. And they graduated younger than him, and they did pretty amazing things, too. Now, granted, like, obviously inventing a social media company, or at least, you know, uh, however you want to say the story about it, bringing it to the term we have today is no small achievement. It puts them in the place of human history that will probably live on for quite some time. But, you know, like lots of really smart people come out of harvard every year people just as smart if not smarter than him it's not that's not some grand achievement per se uh and that many of those people go on to do what what's his name you guys know stavros what's his last name he calls himself stabby baby the stand-up comedian he had a word to describe dc because he's from baltimore and like what people do here and he called it banal evil but now, and that's a very good way to describe it. Now, there's not tech bros here in the same way that they are in Palo Alto, but, like, what to me, like, what Facebook does, like, ask the Rohingya Muslims of, you know, uh, what they feel in 2017 about the role Facebook played in um, the human rights atrocities they suffered. And, and like, F- Facebook was warned about their role in all of it and then chose to do nothing. Now, later on, Mark Zuckerberg tried to make personal amends with that fact, but, like, you're operating something that has this vast power over... Um, human lives and you have a for-profit operation running it like you're not going to be making decisions that are going to be great for humanity often and it's banal but it's probably not great and so like you know whether you want to call it evil or not is certainly up to you but banal evil is a good way to put it like i see jamokes like this all the time i encounter them all the time they are nothing they are nothing uh interesting to me i don't i don't i don't i don't find them you know great because they're uh you know, it's his biggest achievement is so infinitely superior to mine, it barely deserves even mention. Fair enough. But uh it also doesn't make me as morally culpable for the mistakes that a company he put for-profit motives behind and then ultimately decide to make terrible choices about uh and affecting thousands and thousands of people, not just in that incident, but many others you could name. Yeah, it's like a banal form of evil, like, but dude, no one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck. MMA. No one gives a fuck. Like doesn't matter. <laughs> I honestly like what. What would it have to? What would it have to be, for like if you were a, a nerd or a, like a dramatically evil person, but you were wealthy or powerful. You know what crimes would you have had to have committed, or what wrongs would you have had to have done for the fight world? Because boxing would do it too, to not rehabilitate your image. You know what I mean? Like what would it have to be? Um. I don't know. I candidly don't know the answer to that. Don't know. All right, here we go. Uh out of the big 3, who would Francis have had the best chance against, Joshua Wilder or Usyk? I'm going to say probably Joshua. Let's see, one more time? Yeah, Joshua or Wilder. Definitely not Usyk. Usyk is smaller and probably couldn't take the punch as well, but the level of boxing would be very very difficult for him to deal with and joshua's a big powerful good boxer too but is a little chinny and wilder is a what got nuclear power but is also a little wild so Usyk is smaller but super clever and crafty uh joshua very clever and crafty not quite like Usyk, obviously big and strong but chinny and wilder just a loose cannon you know How excited do you get for your personal achievements covering MMA? What achievements (laughs) compare that to that of covering boxing? Congrats on your work, uh, on AC this past weekend and excited to see you cover Spence Crawford. Well, it's a very nice thing you wrote, but I don't know what achievements you're talking about. Cause let me tell you folks, if there's anything that defines myself, I'll just level with you guys. Like, uh, what do I have to hide anymore? Who gives a shit? Um, there is a level of audience size that I thought I would be at right now that I'm like nowhere close like and I feel like I might have missed my window don't know don't know can't say that for sure um so I am I'm not to say that I haven't done anything I know I've worked hard I've certainly achieved in in ways that matter aren't important I, I get that I get that but relative to what I had expected for myself uh no I have come woefully short and it has caused me a great degree of pain and consternation. Not that I have anyone to blame. I don't. Uh, in fact, the big lesson from all of it has been that, uh, I have to blame myself for the shortcomings, but that is a painful pill to swallow. Let me tell you, it's been fucking with me. So, um, I'm not throwing in the towel per se on these pursuits, but, um, you know, when you get to be 43 and you've been doing this since your late twenties, you have to ask yourself are you where you are and again i want to be clear that i'm very grateful for these opportunities at showtime these are amazing i'm grateful that i i get i get paid well by cbs i do i get paid well but um i remain profoundly unsatisfied with the net i have cast but the reason the realization that i have come to if i may is that i don't you know i think there are certain ways that experiences have impacted my judgment about how approachable I make what I do and and not, not in good ways. And I think I have carried that over into my adult life uh, unwittingly. And um, it has problems that manifested themselves a long time ago, remain unresolved. And so I'm just, you know, I make it more difficult to like uh, than it should be for in many different ways. So I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not like, Oh, what was me? Why does God hate me? That's not what I'm saying. But rather that, like, um, if you want to know what most days I deal with, I am tr- I am more so dealing with that than anything else. Um, but I do have some good coverage for Spence Crawford coming. I do have some good coverage. I have been watching hours of Spence fight footage. Hours. I have detailed notes on every fucking round of every fight he's done all the way back to Van Heerden. Every round, everything. I've got so I got some good stuff coming for you. I went through, I have been working. I have been working. All right. Francis getting paid and Dana taking an L as pure life fuel. I don't need Dana to take an L. I just need the industry to be a little bit more balanced. Like getting back at Dana White is not going to fix my life at all. Changes nothing about my life. You know what I mean? Let's stick it to Dana. What is that going to do for you? Hmm? Is it going to put money in your bank account? Yes. You might you might feel better for a day because you really hate the guy or whatever. But like, it's not going to do shit for you. I don't care about any of that stuff. Um, I get I get why some people do. I get, but nah, not for me. Not for me. Doesn't doesn't help me. Appreciate the content. Big thanks to you, Othello Ant and Rak Japar. I don't know who that is, but apparently he's important. Uh, putting your Colombian bias aside, which was better, Coco or Encanto? Coco was a better movie. Coco was a better movie. And I will tell you that Coco is more appreciated in my house, except on one in one way. Coco was a better movie. And that song, Remember Me, or in Spanish, Recuérdame. Recuérdame. Uh, Encanto has just a much better soundtrack that part is true you know and then like I I don't love everything about that kind of music but um it's a winner in this house let me tell you it's a winner in this house but Coco is a better movie Coco is one of the best movies Pixar's ever made uh if it's any consolation I truly believe most of anyone who matters in MMA is aware of you that's a nice thing to say I'm not looking for sympathy points again that it it might sound that way i'm honestly just being like candid with you like about where things are i'm proud of the work that i've done i'm not i'm not here to say that like i've not done good things I, i know i have i understand that i'm just trying to tell you um there's probably a few key decisions along the way that i don't think were bad but didn't set me up for where i needed to be also um you need a lot of friends in mma And I don't even want to be friends with most of the people in MMA. Like, I don't want to be friends with most of the managers. I don't want to be friends with most of the fighters. I don't want to be friends with most of the promoters. You know what I mean? Like, and if you're not going to want to be friends with at least some of these folks, it's just going to limit what you can do. Um, And I think that explains a lot of it as well. But it's like, I have to be a different person in order to like, want to like those people more or, you know, want to have more of that kind of a relationship with them at the bare minimum. There's some of them I like and respect very much, but I don't want to be their friend, right? And i just feel like in mma you've got to have a lot of friends in a lot of places and if you can you can you can have a lot of enemies provided you also have a lot of friends and um i don't have like that many enemies like in that way but i don't have a lot of like i haven't built you know strong relationships with managers on purpose like on purpose right as as one example uh okay this person says I was in the gym tonight lifting very small weights and saw a guy with gym gloves and thought of you not of how Brian thinks of Okamoto when you're out with your family what makes you think of Brian you know what's amazing this is true Brian drives an orange Subaru um it's like the ugliest car you've ever seen in your life I mean you couldn't like that car is a driving no fucking section right just absolutely no fucking of any kind is happening anywhere near that vehicle, which is probably good for a married man to have, candidly. But nevertheless, you know, n- nothing, nothing cool is happening there. Since that day, I have seen like five orange Subarus just in D.C. alone. Just here alone. Like an absurd amount. I'm like, what? Are people buying fucking orange Subarus? I guess they are. I guess they are. So I see the orange Subaru constantly. If Dana White ran back his New Year's Eve white versus white intergender championship slap fight, would you? Do? <laughs> oh my god, you guys are terrible! You guys, are, I didn't know what you were saying. I was like, What is he getting at? Because I you said New Year's Eve and I immediately thought like Japanese New Year's Eve because like MMA connection, uh, intergender. Oh, Jesus, no. I would not. This is a very terrible question. I'm going to take it off the screen. I don't have to. I don't have to show all of these. I didn't see that one through. Golly, Jesus. Okay, all right, guys, chill a little bit. Uh, I think powerlifting to a certain extent is a stupid sport. Yes, you're right. I think they should add more lifts instead of having just three. Would you agree? I don't know about that, but like you know, does becoming a professional powerlifter make you healthy? No, no, it makes you a complete fucking mess it destroys you uh and your body and you probably have to get on drugs to do anything although there's certain questions about that and uh, you can barely move you can barely function you know you no know, like and you're tearing I mean, all these guys tear their acls or their bicep tendons or their pecs or you name it they all tear their lat they tear i mean do they tear like muscle like it's going out of style, which is, both from the lifts and the training and the drug use like no like it's fucking moronic why would anyone do that incorporating deadlifts incorporating bench press incorporating squats and taking some things from powerlifting and maybe how you program or whatever and you know leaning into lifting heavy could that be good for you of course that can be good for you but like is powerlifting dude mo- like baseball is stupid you know like they're, they're these are dumbass games but doesn't mean it can't be fun to watch other people do but like Would I recommend, hey, I think a really healthy way to live would be to see how much weight you can actually pick up off the ground. No, no, mm -mm, not at all. Hello, first time live watcher. I love the show. I really feel like Whitaker had a bad night in the office. I think that fight could have looked very differently if Bobby Knuckles was on. So I think it's actually not a bad point to bring up, but here's what I'm going to say. Look at how much better... Whitaker performed from the first to the second Izzy fight. And some people think he won the second Izzy fight, but at a bare minimum, he performed much better, right? So there is good reason to believe a second fight with DDP, at a bare minimum, would look very differently. That's the first thing I'd say. In fairness to the way in which you're wording the question. However, however, one of the central points that we I made in the video was that Whitaker... Um, I looked at his targeting in this fight. You saw DDP constantly retreat, often in straight lines, but he would retreat and kind of cover this way. And he was able to catch or block a lot of what was coming his way. And Rob targeted the head 74% single digits to the body and then the rest to the legs. He's a leg kicker and a head hunter, at least statistically speaking. He doesn't go to the body. And so this was a very sufficient form of defense. I mean, usually, man, I, mean, I want you to think about this. If your hands are up here, I'm not saying that's bad. There is an occasion where rolling with that and then using cover is going to be your best option. But you got to remember something. If someone has a high guard, you both know where their hands are and they cannot punch. I mean, they can punch, but what I'm saying is, as long as they're here, as long as I'm in here, I cannot punch. And so, dude, like you can begin to play with that, and he should have been going to the body. I looked at the targeting in previous fights. He has always, at least for a long time anyway, had a consistent issue not targeting the body. That is why DDP chose this, and that is why it worked. So I'm happy to believe that Whitaker could perform much more ably given a second time, no question. But did he lose because he got figured out by DDP and his team to an extent? Yes. That's, that's, I mean, he lost fair and square, no question. No question. That was a legitimate win. Leon spoke of being the first UK champ residing, training their full-time with Bisping based in the U.S. believe DDP was trying, although poorly worded, to make a similar point being produced in Africa. You know what I saw today? To your point, this is one of the things I got brought up, this one about Leon and Bisping and who's the real one, and, you know, I trained here. Dude, like Bisping, it's easy to be like, oh, well, I trained here and I became champion. Right, but you trained here, you know, after bisping i mean mean, he was training before but i'm saying like his come up came after bisping's like guys i know what mma training looked like when he was out of wolf's lair and all that shit. like he was not going to be champion there he had to make the move at that time so you know getting on michael for like not being like he didn't train in england uh, when he got his belt it's like true but like an absolutely worthless fucking criticism. Where was he supposed to go to become a champion there? Like, just be serious. You know, um, I saw, I did, I had forgotten about this. The part where Izzy and Rob had, uh, issues over who was representing New Zealand. And then Rob's credentials were challenged. Um, I don't understand the Maori, New Zealand, Australian relationship well enough to know this fully does appear like a contradiction, uh on the part of Izzy related to um the DDP South Africa thing now if if that were the and again I, I can't I don't know enough about that part of the world to fully understand that uh but it does appear to be one what I would say is it doesn't make Izzy wrong about the South Africa thing it would make him wrong about the Rob Whitaker thing right okay Um, are you pumped for Oppenheimer? Dude, apparently people are fucking pumped for this in a way that I did not understand or anticipate at all. Um, Yes, but I didn't... Like, it's a Christopher Nolan film. I like Christopher Nolan. It's about the atomic bomb. I am extremely curious to read about that, but... Yes, yes is the answer, but not, like, crazy hyped. Um, But I'm curious about it, yeah. Um, Oppenheimer was a loon, if you ever read about him. He was a strange dude. Uh, he actually, um, when he first met Einstein, he thought Einstein was not impressive. Um, he did not have nice things to say about him. That changed later, but uh, up to a point it was true. Not not that I'm co-signing Oppenheimer, but that Oppenheimer believed it, yes. How long before UFC gives up on power slap? Great question. Not soon enough. Yo, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Motherfucker, I am trying. I'm trying. It's not so easy to avoid it, you know? I can block it on social media, and I have. Um, Still finds ways to get through incredible little nooks and crannies here and there. Uh, They keep pumping it out to press releases to my inbox. I have asked them to stop. They don't. I've I've literally sent them an email saying, um, please take me off any circulation lists for Power Slap which I think is a very nice way to put it. They utterly ignored it and just kept me on them. Like I'm literally fucking trying to not watch and, uh, or even like be aware of it. And they won't let me, they won't let me. So not soon enough is the answer. Uh, love the Rob versus Drickus break to hover. I think you missed how Drickus's weird footwork messed with Rob's rhythm and minimized damage. When Rob blitzed, you could very well be true again. Standard disclaimer, I give on all of those things. I don't present the findings to you to be the best or only or the most complete just mine. I always encourage you to hear what other analysts have to say for that very reason. I mean, again, I'm under a time crunch, in which I can look at it and get the things said that I want to say it is very possible that I'm going to miss something. It's not a joke. I can only tell you the story as I see it with the amount of time I have to look at it. You know, uh, that's it. So I uh, I don't know what it is that you're referring to, but I'm sure if I went back, I might see something or someone else had picked up on it. Fair enough. No challenge to that, to that criticism at all. Thank you, Christian. Yair lost to Volk. We know this. My question is, if he didn't need to fight Jeremy, Frankie, and Max, would could he be in mock pound-for-pound pound contention talks? If Volk moves up, he could easily take back the... Uh, FWD, what am I not understanding about this question? If he didn't need to fight Jeremy, Frankie, and Max. Okay, you're asking if Yair didn't have to fight Jeremy, Frankie, and Max, could he be in mock pound-for-pound contention? No. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, like, or I think I know what you're saying, which is, is he talented enough such that despite some of his losses or Otherwise, his shortcomings, we can consider some of his ability to be among the highest in the fight game. I mean, I would say with some of the shots he's thrown, and the timing on that, that's some of the best I've ever seen in the sport. But you can't be like, well, if we take away someone's losses, what do they? What, what does their resume look like? It looks like a different resume, not the one we have to deal with. I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding the question, but I don't. I'm not one of these fans of being like, okay, if we take out all the like, like for example, the debate I had with BC, being like, well, if we just look at the UFC runs compared to one another. Aldo's case isn't as strong, which is true, but it's like you cannot rule out the WEC version of his run. You're not allowed to do that. That is that is, that was the most relevant, clear. Those were the best featherweights in general. There were some other ones in other parts of the world, but in general, those were the best ones. You absolutely have to count that, and uh, they did. And it, I should say most people do, but but I don't quite understand the question. Perhaps is Turner Hooker a potential five of the year contender in your eyes? Yes. I always like fight of the year contenders to be a little less on the brawly and more on the technical side, and this one actually has that. So for me, it would qualify as a potential fight of the year contender, yes. I find it odd that many people seem to be giving DDP much of a chance against Izzy considering what he just did to Whitaker. Um, Yeah, I don't agree. I'm sorry, I agree. I I don't know what the fuck they're waiting on. Like, lesson learned. Now, I'm not here to say, oh, he can go beat Izzy no problem. That's not what I'm saying. I would still, the gun to my head, I would pick Izzy to beat him. But like, would I be surprised if he beat Izzy? Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, did BC's skits and bits ruin your relationship with Shab? No, I was texting with Bra- with Brendan Shab uh, yesterday. No, not at all. What did you think of the UFC leaning so much into politics? This pay per view with Trump and Sound of Sounds of Freedom is that the Q and on movie? Um, you know, I mean, listen, I just, here's what I'll say. I, I have complicated feelings about this because the first people to like really kind of hammer that you can't separate like political, um, dimensions from sport was actually like, left-wing-ish media and then you know like obviously remember the olympics with the the fist of you know there's obviously been always been a historical um you know left-wing black i won't say black power movement but there's been you know i think the politics of um black empowerment has been from the left-wing side has been sent through us in sports for a very long time certainly in this country certainly in this country you know and so, people who were in agreement with those politics, I think, kind of cheerleaded that that dimension. And then, folks who had a say in sport who have very different political views did the same thing, and it was very off-putting to the other audience. And now, I'm at a point where I'm like, well, I don't. It's not that I believe that. Um, you can separate politics from sport. I don't think you can. I mean, they really are. And they they force, the UFC just absolutely forces it, you know, in, in very naked ways. On the other hand, I do feel like something is a little bit lost. I mean, maybe this is just the inevitable way of the world that it will just sort itself in this direction. I don't know. But you can't say that they, the UFC did it, uh, you know, politicized their product before the NBA politicized theirs. You could say UFC went in a different direction and was much more aggressive about it, which is true. I mean, they made a documentary, what was it called, like Commander-in-Chief or whatever the fuck face in chief the one they made for Trump. I mean, I don't recall the NBA or any teams doing that for Bernie or whatever, whatever the equivalent would be. Nevertheless, they have done it in their own particular way, and I think it has caused this on the other side, or at least it has given these guys license to say, you know, if we're gonna deal with X over there, we're gonna you're gonna have to deal with Y over here, and uh, you know, the whole thing ends up being like, well, fuck, uh, are we all better off for this? I don't know. Um, but that's that's one feeling that I have. The other feeling I have is this: it's like, obviously, I feel like, you know. Trump is not my guy, is putting it mildly. I mean, the guy's under what 71, 72 criminal indictments. Here's the part that I don't get. The part, and I get I get that there's a cult around Trump uh, or closest to him. But like what I don't get is someone being like, dude, you know who I fucking love? I fucking love politicians. Like it just seems like so fu- I don't like, who the fuck does that? And I know, I know people of all political stripes do this. I mean, I remember though, remember the Obama Hope. You know posters and whatnot. I mean, I I, I get that this is not exclusive to any one side. That's really not my point. My point is rather, who the fuck are these people? We're like, you you think that like politicians? I mean, speaking of banal evil, <laughs> I mean that these guys are your friends or you know you are alike together in class or something. I mean, it just blows my. F- or you think that they're fucking cool? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Bernie Sanders showing up to New York Knicks games and like being shown walking out with, I mean, I guess he wouldn't be walking out with James Dolan, but you know, something like that. And then sitting courtside. Now, New York might love it. It's a blue state, but what pointing and then Vegas loved seeing Trump. So I mean, it'd be kind of similar, but then here's the catch. Sanders would be under 71 criminal indictments. Can you imagine like the news the next day, they'd be like, what the fuck are they doing? it's just it's i i just have never been like i like good ideas or good policies and i'll like certain politicians more or less based on their ability to carry out those things i don't find them cool i don't find them fun or neat or like gosh they're just like me i they're from i mean eleanor holmes norton is from dc like i'm i will support her as a politician i'm not trying to get to fucking know her like, I don't want this relationship with them. I To me, it's like, I could never imagine being like, wow, Ron DeSantis, dude, I would love to go and just grill out with him. Dude, I'd rather fucking eat a bullet. I'd rather eat a bullet than do that. you know. And similarly, oh, I would love to go and just you know drink wine at Nancy Pelosi's house. I'd rather fucking swallow cyanide. I'd, ra- I'd absolutely rather swallow cyanide than go do that. Like, who the fuck are these people? That's the part I just drive. just never understood that at all. I don't get trying to be your fucking friend or think you're cool and you want to come here and rehabilitate your image. Get the fuck out of here, you know. It just I just blows my mind. People are like I really like Trump. He really cares. He didn't give a fuck about you. You don't give a fuck about you, like at all. Trust me when I tell you I don't give a fuck about you. He don't give a fuck about you. And you know, none of the other ones do it. They don't give a fuck. They don't, they don't you get that, right? Like, this is not what they're in it for you and me it's nothing to do with it that some of them will shepherd legislation that you care about more than other ones fine you can vote according to whatever life preferences in that way that matters to you get that completely but like this is a guy i'd like to spend time with oh i'd rather i'd rather eat a moving lawnmower blade i mean you got to be kidding me (laughs) you know and also like I guess it works because everyone in MMA, except for like me and three other people are like heavy right wing. But um, are you casting the widest net doing that? I guess you could ask the same question on the other side too, but something you have to think about. All right. do Do you think the fact that Moreno broke his hand in the first would be an argument for an immediate rematch? The thing is I don't mind the argument that he deserves an immediate rematch. What I mind is that he has put his body through absolute hell and he needs to rest. So he should take time to get right and then come back when the time is right, not like in any other timeline. Nothing else matters as far as I'm concerned. Some good regional MMA to watch now. Uh CFFC, Fury FC. Uh, dude, Fight Pass has everything you could possibly want and then some. Two things you should do. Get a Fight Pass subscription and then follow Grabaka Hitman Caposa on Twitter. He'll he'll hook you up. They they follow uh, ACA or whatever it's called anymore, ACB whatever it's called, the ones out of Russia. I mean, they they know all the good shows in Latin America, everywhere, Canada, you name it, they got it, easy ones. Uh, black viewer checking in. If Izzy wants to say the end to get paid a little more, God bless. I do the same if it made me more money at my job. There you go. Assuming this gentleman is who he says he is. There you go. That this sound, I got to tell you from having spoken to a few black folks. This sounds much more like what they, what I have heard, um, for whatever that's worth. Uh, this person says, imagine a white person whose ancestors came up with a slur, believing that they can police when or how we black folks use that word in our community and immediate context. Thanks for these comments. Yeah, again, uh, here is a great way to stay. I won't say find enlightenment, but stay out of trouble. Right Here's a very helpful way I've learned um shut the fuck up like don't you know pick your battles like you don't have to have an opinion about everything every other kind of person does like there are some things that Colombians do and maybe you could say um you know Latinos more widely there's many things that uh, my wife has introduced me to that are wonderful and many things that you know uh aren't necessarily my favorite but you know, you got to figure out how to pick your battles. And I have found most of the time, shutting the fuck up will get me to a much happier and better place for all parties involved. Not to say you can't, if it's really important, you couldn't speak your mind. Of course, you should. But I have found that, like, just being like, you know, like an old person would be like, like this uh i had this i had i heard this at the barbershop i didn't engage but i saw an older white guy asking another older well less older but also an old white guy cutting his hair uh, about why black men cut their hair the way they do and i I don't know how to answer that question but um probably just gonna shut the fuck up about it right because i don't really know what to say about that (laughs) probably seems like a topic that you should know something about before opening your mouth and i don't know so i just feel like it's real just shut the fuck up is really is really it's going to take you far it's going to take you far like why do they do the things the way they do i don't know but it's not my fucking business so you know uh some things do look better to me than others but you know who gives a shit right so there you go. Uh, there's lots of things I don't understand about the world. Now you can get nakedly ridiculous in any version of things, in which case light them, light all these people on fire with your insults. But in general, like basic questions like that, it's kind of like I don't know. Maybe talk to someone if you have. I mean, I mean, like why would you know? I, I, this is easy to keep yourself out of trouble with shit like this, and people don't do it. But I'm I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Just just like shut the fuck up about it, you know? Uh, okay. Negotiations are harder in boxing, but it also feels like a brotherhood. Elite boxers coexist regularly and seem okay with that. Why is that? Um, There's maybe less of a martial arts like spirit about it. There's a little bit more of like nakedly it's... um it's a business also you don't really have you do have certain camps like there's errol spence there's frank martin there's jermell charlo there's ryan garcia and they're not exactly in the same divisions frank martin is going to be a little bit lower than garcia who is a little bit a little bit smaller than errol who's a little bit smaller than Jermel, who's a little bit smaller than now anthony joshua like you know what i mean so there's some overlap but not exactly and so as a consequence you know they can kind of fudge it a little bit uh okay What's up with this Patreon? Uh, f- yeah, so the Patreon is definitely going to get launched. The only question is when, probably around the end of the month. And we're just going to figure out the value add, but stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, okay, you got to start Patreon. Yes. And what content would you put on there? Extra breakdowns and... Um, Q and A's like, uh, well, here's what I would do extra breakdowns. Uh, I would break down any footage. If you're, anyone is like an amateur fighter out there, I don't know about pros or whatnot, but like, I could take a look at anyone's individual foot, like footage that they wanted me to take a look at and, uh, you know, an extra chat, maybe like all kinds of fun stuff. So we'll see. All right. It's a lie when, with DDP, Izzy Dana says guys can say whatever they want, but when they talk about how low fighter pay is... Oh, right. Yeah, fair enough. Separate issue unrelated to all this nonsense. Um, yeah, of course. There's, I mean, of course, it's... They don't put limits on the mean things that fighters can say about each other or things other than the org. But, like, I can just tell you, like, you know, you're not going to get... Uh, <laughs> It's it's a little North Korea over there, right? They they, they in that particular sense, they're not going to tolerate that kind of thing. Had Habib not retired, would he have beaten Silva's UFC unbeaten streak record? I mean, this is impossible to know, but probably, probably, right? Big Luke, out of spite, out of still being blocked on IG, <laughs> I'll ask, would you? Re- <laughs> Would you rather have a beer with Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder, Matt Walsh, or Dave Rubin? Fuck me. Out of all of them, I'd probably go Ben Shapiro. Um, ben went to Harvard, right? Um, yeah, I'd probably pick Ben. Although, I find Ben's views on Israel abhorrent. Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, I feel like many Americans' political and worldviews are often skewed by the fact they've never traveled abroad. To some degree, that's true. Yes, or meaningfully experienced different culture. To some degree, that's true. Agree, disagree. Depends on where in America they're from, but yes, in general, there's a lot of like, not. Expo- I mean, l- less so with Spanish these days, but in general, like you know, you don't see a lot of Americans who speak French or German. Um, you know, uh, other languages they might have some common ancestry from in the United States, and they don't. You don't need it. Like the United States is enormous. You can never leave it and you can see quite a bit of different things. And so folks just kind of to say, well, Europe is far and it's expensive and why go? Yeah, Uh, I've been lucky. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and chastise people to spend money they may not have, but I can just say, you know, if they have money and they don't go, well, then they're swine. But I was lucky. I was lucky that I had this opportunity to go see these places. That's why it helped me a little bit, you know. Um, Okay, from this is the uh, poll results. 36% 36% said yes, 64% said no. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh CBDC is what? Slavery? And no one's talking about it. Can you educate your own? C B D C is slavery. I don't know what the fuck that means. What is he talking about? Any truth to the Rousey rumors? Um, in terms of fighting in UFC, I don't know anything. I'll say that. Thoughts on Connor's announcement. 3KO looked coke. I didn't see Connor's announcement. What the fuck? Ever heard of Jadson, uh, Jadson Costa? He's my BJJ Coach? No, but just because I haven't heard of him doesn't mean he's not good. He could be quite talented. Uh, MK is the Wario to NPR's Mario. <laughs> Need a tote bag. Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, and then lastly, are there too many immediate rematches? Uh, ordinarily, yes. And in particular for 125, I do think an immediate rematch makes the most sense in the sense of um, what the division should do. But on the other hand, forget all that. Give Brandon Moreno a break. His body is, it needs it quite desperately. Uh, My email is LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. I'm going to guess after an episode like this that there are just going to be an enormous amount of angry people. So please send your emails there. Um, You can do that. You know, I didn't ask most of these questions, like, or really hardly any of them, you know. So... I, I would think I'd be entitled to a break, but I know that's not coming. I know I'm I'm going to open up my email, and it's just going to be littered with people of all varieties, by the way, uh, really upset with me, and um, that's just how this goes. So, yay, yay me, but you can email me, lukethomasnews at gmail.com, okay? All right, so that's that. We'll get the thumbnail changed. We'll get this up on um, podcast. Thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Hey, this was fun. This was crazy, but this was fun. We got to go. So I'll see you guys on the flip. Two hours of this, huh? That's crazy. All right, it's time to go. Peace. Stay frosty.